Welcome to another episode of King of the Lifts. And before we get going, just a quick reminder, visit our sponsors, FusionMuscle.com and use promo code KOTL25 and get 25% off of all of your supplements. And I mean all, because they got everything, multivitamins, pre-workout, creatine, protein, whatever you need, they got And they'll be dropped off at your house and you get 25% off. FusionMuscle.com and use promo code KOTL25. Let's get it going. Six-pack lap of that. I got my man, Caffrey. Hocho Yami. Very close. Japanese. Very close. What is it? Uh, it's pretty bang on. Hocho Yami. You missed Hocho the A Yami. at the end. Yeah. Ah, Hocho Yami. I was trying to say it like the, a Japanese guy would. I'm not Asian, though. No, no you were not, sir. <laughs> but um, we were just talking about... Um, I'm watching... So, in a couple... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go like an hour and a half to go see the Joker with the old man. And um, it is getting polarizing views. Mm-hmm. I've been reading some really great ones, some really bad ones. I'm interested so, to see it for myself. People saying, hey, yeah. Um, man, this is another tough name. You say his name. I can't say it. Oh, I'm not even going to try to let you screw it up. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Queen Phoenix. That was pretty good. Yeah, okay. You know what the thing is? You got to say it with confidence. That's this true. Is, Even if I'm, you say it wrong with confidence, people are like, they'll start saying it like that. They're they like, will, he, dude. he knows what he's saying. When I, um, there was, there was some names, um, some, when I was doing the IPF World Championship telecast, and uh, some of the names are like, holy shit, like some, from some of these nations. And some of them, if pronounced wrong, are going to really be, come off bad. If you understand what I'm saying. You basically changed the name on the, on the broadcast. And the, and the, producer, <laughs> the producer said, I'm like, man, like, um, I don't know, if, like, what if I say this guy's name wrong? And it, it sounds like, like some of these names sound like fucking, I don't even fucking want to say them because it sounds like I'm going to make fun of the names. But mm-hmm. put it this way, some of the words in it could easily sound like some slang words that we might use if you're kicking it with the fellas. Right. So anyways... Um, I'm like, how do I approach this? And the guy's like, just say confidence. Say 100% confidence. And you f- if you flub it, or someone tries to laugh at it, be like, what's what's funny? And people automatically, just like you said, be like, oh shit, well maybe he did hit it right. Yeah. Like they don't know. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you are uncertain, 95% of the English speaking listeners will be uncertain mm-hmm. as well. You say it confidently, like you like that's what his name is. People are like, all right, that's what his name mm-hmm. is. I mean, they that individual will be upset. Their friends will be upset. But, but... they'll at least respect the <laughs> yeah. fact that, look at me, it's not your... It's not the easiest name to say. It's not your mother or, tongue. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, um, people are saying about the Joker. Yeah, Queen Phoenix um, absolutely killed his role. And uh, pun intended, though. But it's so dark that it's like... Like it's you, you know what they want from it. Like you know what the what the makers of the movie wanted, but apparently, and I'm gonna find out in an hour or a couple hours. It's so dark that like you're watching it unfold and you leave, and you're it's not a feel good movie. Put it mm, that way. I, I like those. You understand what I'm saying? I like those. Where you're like you gotta like it. Yeah. You have to like. You have to respect the fact that this dude 100 made you believe he's that individual. Mm-hmm. Took you down that path. Because if you at all get the sense that you're acting, it's over. Right. You can't make people feel that, what I just described, where 
it's so dark and real. You fucking walk away and be like, man, I don't even know how to digest that. And some of the reviews I read were saying how they loved the acting, like he portrayed the part perfectly, but they just didn't like the story and like the feel of the movie. So, And I'm interested in if they if they didn't like it and that's disturbing and it was hard to... I heard somebody give a review. Actually, I think it's David Wilson, who's not a reviewer. He's a powerlifter, but he gave a review. And he <laughs> said, uh, he said, I enjoyed it for what it... In terms of like the masterpiece they're putting together. Mm-hmm. But I didn't enjoy watching it because you leave like, holy fuck. Mm. If that makes sense. You leave like, okay, I got it. You absolutely nailed what you were trying to accomplish. But I think you just ruined my day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bro? I think that review just made me a little more excited to watch this I know. movie. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's polarizing because you're 100% right. There are people who are like, loved it. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. That's a masterpiece. So other people are like... They said the performance is good, but I didn't like the movie itself. And I don't know, like, does that mean the script was shitty or like the the yeah. the, the, care, the climax, the build up to the That's exactly what was I'm that wondering. was it shitty in terms of looking? It just wasn't going. The guy was killing the role. Whenever I've seen movies where whenever that individual was on the screen, I'm I'm enthralled. I'm entertained. I'm like that right. guy's murdering it. That girl's murdering it. However, the movie itself. Didn't blow me away. That happened. Mm-hmm. For Gangs in New York, I thought Daniel Day-Lewis was amazing. But the movie itself, Gangs in New York, didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. Mm-hmm. So is it that? Or is it just... Do you know if there's a split from the critic reviews versus the audience scores? So I read the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix. The critics gave it like... It was like less than 10%. Yeah, that's Audience good. score is like 98. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the audience scores for this one is way higher. Okay. IMDb was 94 and Rotten Tomatoes is like 72. Right. So there's definitely a divide. Okay. Which I don't know what that says. I'm going to find out soon enough. I'll oh, let everybody sure. know because everybody in the mother is hyped up for this. I also asked you if you had seen the show um, The Boys. And you were like, The Boys in the Hood? Boys in the Hood. And I was like, oh shit, you know The Boys in the Hood. Because that's like a movie came out like way in the 90s. Yeah, it's an old like Early 90s. And um, did you? what did you think about The Boys in the Hood? I enjoyed it. Yeah? I when did you see it. How did you find it? On Netflix. Is it on Netflix now? I don't know if it's on Netflix. I watched it. God bless me. Maybe a couple years back on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I remember bringing up The Boys in the Hood. This is before Netflix to somebody. Um, and they were like, no, I've never seen it. I was like, you've never seen Boys in the Hood? And this is like an iconic movie back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching The Boys in the Hood and be like, holy shit. Spoiler alert, it came out in like 93 when Ricky died. That was the year I, <clears throat> I, I was born. That was is the year of my born. Holy shit, <laughs> destiny. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, dude, it's uh, actually, for some people, you know there's some, there's some movies, if it's been out five years, you can say a spoiler. But if it's been out 25 years or whatever, I think you're okay. But the thing is, some of them you can't say a spoiler when it's so old. Some people That's haven't true. seen it. Yeah, it works backwards. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah. it's been out for so long. Some like, people haven't seen it. You missed your mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you missed your mark. It's over. But um, no, the show, The Boys, here's an interesting concept for you. Kind of staying on the Joker theme. It's what if in real life there were superheroes, had superhero powers, but we always portray like superheroes as being like good guys, whatever. But in real life, it's it's like you know corporations get behind them. You have sponsorships, you have TV deals, you have whatever. And these dudes aren't good dudes. Mm. Like they're they're totally in it for the money. It's totally to their heads. And they're like some of them are like gods walking around humans. And you start they start developing a god complex. Like these people are beneath me. 
I'm a fucking god. I could do whatever I want. Literally, I could do whatever I want. I'm playing within your rules because you're telling me to. So they're not good people. Kind of like divide with the X-Men. <laughs> kind of. And these dudes, regular dudes, are like, we got to do something. So they start like fighting back. And so it's like a handful of people who are like, and I guess they're called the boys, but one of them's a girl. But anyways, and uh, yeah, they're like, we got to do something about it. It's man, it's a really, it's on Amazon Prime. Anybody who's like, it's a totally different spin Too on the superhero platforms now. Dog, isn't it? It's um, crazy. Think all you could allegedly illegally stream almost all of them if you really want to. But, um, yeah, man, this is going to start getting allegedly into... Allegedly illegal. Allegedly <laughs> illegally you can stream this. But, um, dude, it's starting to get to the point where you're going to be paying just as much money as when you had cable. It's freaking crazy. Also, uh, before we call Chloe, we're going to call her in like a hot minute. Don't worry. Did you see the UFC last night? I did not. Israel Adesanya? Ooh, I like him. He... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know he was playing, but I like him. <laughs> he... Uh... He won the world championship last night. Nice. So now Nigeria has two world championships, two world champions in the UFC. Oh, man. Who's the other? There's only so many weight classes. That's a huge chunk. Um, Kamura Usman, okay. weight class okay. below. And how many people are from Nigeria? Like, they're not, like, Nigeria is not, like, churning out, like, NBA stars or probably, are they competitive in soccer? They, in Africa, they have a decent, decent team. Well, fucking, man, they're turning into an, uh, MMA nation now. Because, dude, two out of... How many weight classes in the men's division, man? We're talking like they got like 20% or 25% of the men's divisions. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was a, he just totally destroyed Robert Whitaker. Took his title. Came out like breakdancing, popping and locking. Had like two dudes behind him popping and locking. He's like, like before the fight? He before the fight, dude. Oh, he's man, this a, guy was loose. And- he's a showman like you've never seen. Some people are like, am I watching? Like... Dancing with the Stars, WWE <laughs> thing is the dude can dance. He's like legitimately killed it. It's one thing if you come out, it's all cringy because you're like popping and locking, but you suck. And it's like, oh, this is fucking hard to watch. The dude murdered it. And they had like a whole choreographer dance. Oh, he, man. Had, he had like a dance crew. I'm have to watch this after. Dude, he had a dance crew and everybody's like, he better fucking win this fight. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> like, you come out, do all that, and like... First round, knockout. Getting laid out. <laughs> and, um, and dude, he looked like phenomenal. Like he was in the Matrix dodging punches and blah, blah, blah. And totally showed up. He's going to be a star. Like afterwards, he's calling out the number one contender who's like the side of the octagon. He's like, you're next, blah, blah, blah. Like the dude is going to be a star for sure. Packed a stadium in Australia. Because the, the dude he fought, the champs from Australia, mm. he now resides in New Zealand. Okay. So the rate right there in the Pacific packed a stadium in Australia. I don't know how many thousand there. It looked like there's 50,000 people there, my man. This dude is like the next big, I don't know, I don't want to say Conor McGregor, but the guy's going to be huge. But anyways, um, so that's what I did last night. So, with no further ado, though, let's get Chloe Dublin on. You guys probably know, oh, wait, before, holy shit, I almost forgot, go to Fusion, let me get the, let me pay the bills now. FusionMuscle.com, use promo code KOTL. 25, get all your supplements, whether it's creatine, whether it's multivitamins, pre-workout. Um, I know you were taking the creatine on your way to breaking the IPF world record, and um, you said it's the only reason that you broke it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. This creatine's got me all types of jacked up. I think I'm, I'm fitting to break a world record today. And I was like, holy shit. No, but um, it is, uh, they, they got everything you need. And you go on the website, it drops off at your place, 
You don't got to go to a fucking supplement store. That's like shit from the boys in the hood era, 90s. <laughs> you order online. Use KOTL25. Get 25% off all your supplements. Um, and it's got everything you need. So with no further ado, let's get Chloe Dublin. She's the number one nominated lifter in terms of 72 kilo class in the Open at the U.S. Raw Nationals. She has been to three or four world championships, got a slew of medals, got world records in sub-junior, junior, and in the Open. Um, young as hell, man. We'll, we'll find out her age, but she is absolutely killing the game. And I think she just hit 20 years old. Comes from a, uh, an athletic background, extremely gifted. So let's get Chloe on the phone. There, there we go. Okay, can you see us? This is Caffrey, by the way. Hey, how are you doing? We, we can't see you, but we can hear you. Yeah, we're gonna get better reception behind window, so we'll try to. <laughs> okay. It looks. Hang on one second here. So you can you see us? Yeah, I can see you guys. Okay, and you. So is your your video's not working, or it's just better reception without it? Um. No, I I don't know why my video's not working. There we go. Okay, got it. Here we are, uh, Chloe Dublin. Good to go. Good to go. Perfect. So, just so you know, we got we got video on. I actually had Peter Spence on from SBD talking about the SBD Invitational, and um, we just started doing like the YouTube again because we we're just like audio for the longest time. And then when I posted the YouTube, yeah. he was like, "Oh shit, man! I didn't know we were on video." <laughs> he was, like, oh, man. He's funny. He's a funny guy. I should have wasn't doing. I should have told you. I thought you knew. Um, but anyways, it is what it is. That's why, <laughs> as soon as it happened, he had to like, do his hair. That's right. Well, he was like, man, I would have prepped. I was like, I better tell Chloe just so she made sure. But um, I, I, uh, I wanted to get you on. I've seen you. You first popped up on the radar in Calgary. Actually, no, Belarus. When I did the commentating in Belarus. Oh. I don't think I commentated yeah. your session in Belarus. But um, you've been to, how many world championships have you been to already at this point? Um, I went to the one in Colleen, Texas, before mm. Belarus, and then Belarus, uh, Canada, and then this last year in Sweden, so four. And how old are you? I just turned 20, last weekend. So you were, four worlds in four I, 20. Four worlds in still a teenager, <laughs> that is insane. So you've been, I mean, in terms, like, you're, you're a grizzly veteran when you were a teenager. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could call me that, but I'm I'm really just gearing for that open team spot. I, I kind of was dogging on one of my uh, friends earlier. Um, you know, I go to Midland University, so I'm with Perkins all the time. Austin Perkins, you guys talked to a couple weekends ago. Yes, yeah. And um, one of our friends on our team was like, congratulations, Chloe, you got in prime time. I was like, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And he goes, so are you going for that open team spot this year? And I was like, man, I've been going for it for the past three years, okay? I'm trying. So I was like, I've gotten fourth, third, and second in that order, but thanks, Kenny. I appreciate it. That's when, yeah. you, that's so, when, that's when you got to act like, yeah, yeah, this is the first year I'm going for it. And then just yeah, yeah. when you hit it, be like, see, this is the first time. That, that was it. Yeah. But it's pretty crazy yeah. when you think about it as a teenager to be battling it out for that open spot. I mean, the 72 kilo class, uh, historically speaking, is pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, it is. And 
Um, I think at this point, I like Kim Walford's world record total was is five thirty seven and a half right now. Yeah. And I saw that Anna Rosa Castellane just broke it by two and a half keys, I believe, maybe two weeks ago. And just like getting my total up into that range. So right now I'm at five twenty. It's just like we just gotta hit those baby steps and just keep keep going up because I mean people will be like, Oh Chloe, you're gonna like get such big PRs at whatever, like this meet or that. And I'm like, no, man, like I just need to get my PRs, work on that total and climb my way slowly there. Cause you get to that point where it's just like, I just need those small PRs and go from there, you know? Yeah, you don't need to go crazy, especially like, so you just hitting 20. Kimberly is 40 years old. She's literally double your age, which is crazy to think on the other side for her to maintain this long. Um, and, and yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's like a yeah. She's an icon for sure. Possibly the goat. And um, Anna, I mean the goat, men's, women's, what have you for the IPF. I mean it's crazy. And then Anna's in her thirties. So if you think about how you're pacing in terms of your development, right? It's it doesn't even seem like if it seems more like when, which is right if you that's, think about that's it. That's what I'm hoping for. Just patience, patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough when you're 20 years old. Because you want it, you know. You, I mean, it's it's looking at the nominations. No pressure, but you are yeah. the number one nomination, right? Going into the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah, right now. Mm-hmm. And it's um, I think it's uh, I don't know who the second nomination is, but when it, if you make mm-hmm. the the U.S. national team, and you, I mean it's sports, we're gonna get ahead of ourselves. But are you thinking you're going back to Belarus for battle? Um. I don't want to put anything like too far ahead because I think last year I was also nominated first. And so, um, sorry, uh, last year I was also nominated first and then, no, you're okay. Uh, Kristen Dunsmore beat me out at that meet. And so, um, I just don't, I just really haven't even thought that far ahead. Um, I also know that like the, uh, qualifiers for world games are coming up and stuff too. And so I'm just kind of taking it one meet at a time right now. I haven't really looked past raw nationals, but if I get that open national team spot, I definitely have to go back to Belarus and compete in the open and have that open team spot if I'm lucky enough to get it. So, so you think about doing geared in and um, classic division at the same time? We'll see. <laughs> it's, it's not off the boards. I like your. <laughs> It's, it's on my mind because World Games has been on my list of things that I want to do. But um, that's, I told Coach uh, Tim Anderson here at Midland, I was like, we'll see. We're going to take it one meet at a time this year because um, I'm also due to start chiropractic school um, next fall. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet. I don't know if I'm going to actually end up going to chiropractic school or if I want to end up going to med school. So I have a lot of decisions to make from here, yeah. but everything's kind of up in the air. I'm pretty open. Yeah. Just kind of what happens. When, um, so I remember when you first popped on my radar, I want to do a little research. And um, I remember hopping on your script and somebody told me, somebody had sent me a pic of, this is back when you did used to do ballet and you ran track. And then yeah. like, she's like a super athlete. <laughs> Because you were going head-to-head with um, Jessica Bittner. And I remember saying, like, oh, Jessica mm-hmm. Bittner's a super athlete, track athlete, etc." cetera. And, um, and someone's like... I remember like, listening to that. And someone's like, my man, do you know uh, Chloe Double? Do you know her background? She's also, like, a freak athlete. And I was like, like, Jessica Bittner? 
And then somebody sent me that picture of you doing the splits with your <laughs> flat on the ground. And I was like, is this shit photoshopped? That, that was like, <laughs> it, 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 it's the wildest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like something Jean-Claude Van Damme would do. But you were completely, and then um, also I guess you're running track. And you had said in our messages when I was asking for a little background. So you were doing track. At what levels were you bringing both the ballet and the track on that end of things? So I um, stopped dancing at the end of my sophomore year, but I was I was running track then too, and that was when I was training, I believe, for Colleen. So I was I was doing dance and track both while I was getting ready for Worlds in Colleen. Um, and then the following year, I I realized in Colleen that I, I was like I can be good at lifting, like I, this can be my thing. So I stopped dancing, and then um, I kept training through track. Um, I, Belarus, I had one of like the best peaks ever. That, that was where I really shot up numbers wise, um, in Belarus. And I was simultaneously running track. And so I, every single year for track, I would get so close to making it to state, but my, I mean, it was really just hit or miss, like with sectionals and regionals. Like I would have a really great sectional and not a great, a really great regional or vice versa. And so it just didn't really happen i would have big jumps but they just weren't at the right time but it's, it's really hard to plan out when your your main focus is peaking for worlds yeah so i mean but then i do remember it was my senior year and my four by one relay made it to track state and you guys had just let out the the podcast interview with jessica yeah um before canada world and i was listening to it and i was getting so pumped i mean i was running this four by one relay and I knew that I, I didn't know at the time that I had two slip discs. So I had two slip discs in opposite directions. I just knew that I had like substantial pain and I was just like doing what I could to get through. But I was like so ready for this fight. I was like, dude, I just want to go crazy on this place. So I was like sitting under the tent like, oh, like she's like talking about me. And like, I was like, but she won't say my name. I remember telling them to my friends. I was like, she won't say my name. <laughs> I was getting like so worked up about that, but um, Canada was an interesting one for me because um, actually Jessica's her her PT, the Canadian PT that works with them. I, I can't remember if he's technically a chiropractor or PT. I think he kind of does a mixture of both, but he he diagnosed me at the end of that and was like, "Yeah, uh, you definitely have two slip discs going on. You're in rough shape." So. I remember, like, my last squat that I took, I, I was just trying to hit depth. I hadn't hit very high numbers. I hadn't deadlift for maybe a week and a half. I hit the bar the day before the competition because my back was, was just me. And that me with a world record bench, like, that was, like, the best. I, I was so happy with that. I was so happy with that, honestly. At the time, it really sucked, and I was like, man, I got third, and this was supposed to be my my first junior gold medal, and I was really upset, but looking back on that, having two slip discs and still placing third, I was like, okay, like, yeah. take it easy, Chloe, but. Yeah, yeah exactly, because um, you had already been, I think you had won the, the sub-juniors in Belarus, is that right? Yeah, I went some one sub junior brothers. Yeah, and then going into uh, Calgary, it was you, Jessica Bittner, and um, Vilma Olsen from Sweden. Yes, and, and I think no, she she was there. Yeah, she she competed. 
Yeah. Because in Belarus, um, I think she dropped out that year for some juniors, and I was, I was really upset she dropped out. And yeah. going into Sweden, I thought it was going to be a hell of a battle between you and her, like a rematch, especially in her home t- in her home country. And I was like, oh, then she dropped yeah. out again with an injury. I remember as soon as I seen her scratched on the list, yeah. I'm like, damn it, this is like another heavily hyped showdown. I know. I know. So, and, and that was that was the same thing. Like, um, Sweden was a, a, a difficult meet for me too, and I I really commend um, um, the my competitor that won first. Can you remind me of her name? Oh, geez, uh, it's slipping me right now. It's, I don't have it off the top of my head either. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She. Oh yes, she was. Yes. She was awesome. Yes, but um. Yeah, I, I totaled six and a half keys less than my best, which I like it was not according to the plan. Um, but just looking back with everything, I had competed at collegiate um, nationals and didn't really hit any heavy numbers there. But I think we just pushed it a little bit too much in terms of like tiring myself out because I had also done the Arnold before that. So mm-hmm. messed with my peak a little bit for, for Worlds. And I think I, I also pushed it a little bit too much. Before world, so going into the back, um, so I can really get that nice peak that I want. Um, but yeah, a variety of very, you're breaking up a little bit, and, and get that. You're breaking up a stitch. Let me know how to come back. Really happy for her with that. It looks like you're breaking up on the. Are we coming clear? Sorry, you're, you're freezing a little bit for some reason. It might okay. be. Are you? You're on Wi-Fi on that end. Yeah. Okay. Are you? Are we on a laptop? No, you're on my phone. Hmm. Sometimes when there's movement, it buffers. Maybe it's just because it's on the phone. Can you also? Can you turn your phone sideways? Okay. Let me see if I can change locations really quick. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and you can you could see her good on this. Okay, good. Oh, we're getting we're getting a tour of the campus. Let's try it here. I'm gonna go where Austin was with you guys. Hopefully that worked out better. This is pretty good. Is that like a... Okay. Dude, this is taking me back to my university years. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's, it's such a hassle. Okay. Is that better? It is. I think it is better. Yeah. It's sometimes when there's okay, movement. Awesome. Sometimes when there's movement in front of the camera, it like, it tries to buffer. That's why. So that's why sometimes... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so you started off with ballet. How did you end up finding powerlifting? Because do you weightlift in um, terms of training for ballet? No. Um, I <laughs> my One of my best friends, her name is Emma Bevins, we started high school, and I remember before going into high school, people were like, oh, the, the uh, coach there is going to love you because you have, like, really strong legs. And I was like, dude, I just want to dance. Or, I don't care. Like, I don't want to lift at all. And um, we got there, and I had signed up for PE because I was like, yeah, we're going to do PE because I don't want to lift. And, yeah, that's how it's going to go. And I, my friend got her um, schedule and was like, no, I'm signed up for weights. And I was like, 
dude, what the heck? So then I switched. I was like, I'm not going to do PE by myself. So then I switched and I got involved with it. I started coming in after school and, um, the, the guy that used to coach me stopped coaching me after, um, collegiate nationals. Um, he just got me involved with it. I mean, really, and helped me a ton. I mean, we were best friends for years, um, and just the ultimate coach athlete duo. So I, I can't thank him enough for what he's done for me. So it's almost a fluke with your friends getting put in the wrong class, then. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. She says that she's like I, she's the whole reason that I started lifting. Basically, she's like it's all my fault. She takes credit. Hey. Is it um so? That class, when you said weights in PE, was the actual class itself like a weightlifting class? It was called um, weights. Yeah, like it was just like that was the name of the class. And then it was powerlifting based, though. We did some planes, but it was mostly powerlifting based. So, yeah. That's freaking wild that they have a powerlifting class in high school. Like, there, there was nothing like this when I was in high school. Yeah, well. Yeah, and actually we didn't have, I, I went to school in Indiana, so we didn't have like a, a high school powerlifting association or anything like that, like Texas does or anything, um, but my uh, coach at the time, Jeremy Harmon, he actually competed at the World Games, and so he was a powerlifter himself and had done really well in powerlifting, and he just kind of carried that on, and uh, there was like a group of three girls actually, and us three girls, me, uh, Jenica Baldridge and Shelby Miles, we just train together all the time, and yeah, that is that's wild. how it happened. So what would be, like, I can't even wrap my head around, like, a powerlifting class, but you just show up and smash weights, and, like, was there, like, um, like an exam and final exam and homework and shit like that? Like, this is crazy. Yeah, so we would, we would max out um, at the end of every semester, and I remember, like, it was really cool at the time because I would just put on weights and I was like, I don't know what this means. Like I'm just <laughs> putting on whatever. Yeah. And so like I would be benching like 135 at like the at the end of the first semester or 155. I can't remember the exact numbers. And I was like, I don't know what this means. So it was just kind of crazy because you, you don't have any comparison. It was just like, well, this is what I am doing here, so that's cool. And everyone would make a big deal about it, and I was like, I don't know what's good about this. So, yeah, you know. You had no idea, no barometer yet. Um, it's so how's good starting out that way. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. So how did they... Wait, sorry? How, how did they give you, like, a grade based on... I'm, like, intrigued by this, you can tell. So how did they, like, give you a grade? Was it, like, a max test? And they, like, grade you on progress or grade you on, like, Wilkes? Because that'd be wild. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, Coach Hartman just uh, graded us on, like, smart attempts. It'd be like in a meet, like, going nine for nine. Like, if you went nine for nine, but then you also didn't cut yourself short, you got a good grade. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty fun. So you went to Palos in high school. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense now. The, the, the story started coming together. So when did you um, start realizing, hey, yeah. I, think, I think I got a future with this. Like, when did it start becoming, did you hop online on social media and start saying, holy shit, I'm, I'm competitive? Um, no, it was just my 
my my coach that he was like, you could be really good at this, and I, I was like, like I I can't make it to any meet. Like my mom is paying a ton of money for me to do these dance competitions, and I can't just miss them. So I, actually, at, at one point in time, he was like, this is my last one. I'm gonna like try to get you into, and then after that, like I'm just leaving you alone. And so I finally went to that one. And I didn't know what I was doing. It qualified me for Raw Nationals that first year. And then um, I got third at my first Raw Nationals, I think, in the in the sub-junior category. Um, however, that equates in USA Powerlifting. And um, that was what got me my spot. It's it kind of funny because I was supposed to go to North Americans that year in the Virgin Islands. But then they were like, hey, we have an... Uh, a, a spot for the actual world team, but it was in Colleen, Texas. And so my whole family thought we were going to the Virgin Islands, and then we ended up going to Colleen, Texas. And that <laughs> but it was good, though. So that was, so 2016 was uh, the first year you started competing. And was it? Yeah. Or, or, or the Nationals before that, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. So things progressed pretty quickly for you. You went from, like, when you started yeah. lifting weights and started training at that kind of level, how did that impact your ballet? And then how did your family start feeling when they sensed this shift? Because at some point, I'm sure your ballet instructor was like, hey, man, I mean, you, you're, yeah. you're starting to go down a path that's going to impact this. Yeah, well, so it was actually really great for me because I, as you know, like in lifting, you're on your heels a lot. Well, in, in ballet, you're the complete opposite. So my center was, was always shifting. So I would go and be lifting weights as it like earlier on in the day in the afternoon, right after school, and I would go directly to dance. And I would have to refine my center at a different point. And so I was so in tune with my body for probably six or seven months. And um, my coach at school, I mean, he was just like, "Yeah, like you're good. Do what you got to do." But my my dance instructors were like, "Yeah, you're starting to get too like." bulky and stuff like this you're gonna have to change the way that you like make your lines and stuff and really looking back on it I was still really skinny at the time like I was starting to get some muscle definition but that's actually what they're looking for now in dancers is like dancers that have that kind of muscle tone that I did at that time because I wasn't as big as I am now they haven't quite gotten to the, the point that I am now but they, they actually desire dancers that are stronger looking and, and not just like sticks now, um, especially in the contemporary dance world. And so it, it was a really strange time because I, I wanted to dance and I knew I wanted to lift. But when I went to um, Worlds in Colleen and I, I got um, fourth by two and a half kilos, which was a, a coaching error by the people that ran my numbers and it was horrible. Um, that never happened again, by the way. Um, I, I realized that I was like, I just kind of did this on the side and then I got fourth. So like, I want to go all in on this. Yeah. It was really rough for my family. It was a really rough transition for my family at first. Um, my, cause my mom's friends were all at, um, but yeah, I mean, they transitioned out of that and then, um, they supported me and have always been to all of my needs. And my dad loves it though, because my dad had four girls. And so he's like, yes, nice. finally have my boy. And I'm like, whatever you need, dad, whatever you need. Whatever you, now I'm dad's <laughs> favorite. Now I'm dad's favorite. Here's the thing, like when you started dance, it was probably because you were so young. Um, like it could be heavily influenced by your parents and they're, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, try the set. Whereas when you found powerlifting, that you found it on your own. 
Like this was your yeah. your decision, completely isolated from him. Like, well, fate jumped in with your girl messing up her classes. But besides that, so um, yeah, yeah, it would be kind of if your mom had any hopes in terms like, oh, my girl's gonna be this dancer. And, and the thing is, judging by, I remember mm-hmm. you would post in videos and pics, but you were good. And it's tough to. Yeah, it's tough to pivot. No pun intended. It's tough to like pivot like that and change your goals, and then see why I did that. And then, um, and I'm sure for your mom, you're probably building up these expectations. Um, when you first started in terms of, like dance, was yeah. it was it just ballet? Or was it all types of different dance? It was all different types. So I did um, floor gymnastics or acrobatics, is what they call it. So in um, the dance world, even though it's like nothing like bars or anything like that they call it acro or floor gym and then i did ballet i did point i did contemporary lyrical jazz clogging tap yeah so all of them but one of the things that i found when i gave up that was because you were right that i was picking powerlifting by myself and and, in dance i felt like i was always trying to change myself to to fit someone else but in powerlifting i was like no this is for me anything that i do anything that i decide to change is for me mm-hmm. and it's better me directly yeah i really, really love the things that i did you know 40 hours a week i mean it was like a so and when people would leave it and or now and, and, uh, so I would stay in a, and I, I have to work on things that I need to work on extra time. I'm still. Let's give it a ring back. We just missed a whole chunk of that. Let's see. I have 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week? That's... <laughs> you know what we might have to do is call it like this. Right. I think the hand, the hand gestures, she talks with the hands like me, and I think it's creating buffering. in terms of um, when you choose a sport yourself as opposed to when you start a sport when you're a kid yeah your parents got a, a huge influence in that oh for sure and you might fall in love with it because you've done it so long yeah you can just learn to like it you can learn to like it's, finding it's, something you actually So I think audio might not drop on us, might be easier. Okay, sounds good. So we, when you were talking, I, you, I picked up a couple snippets. Um, I heard 40 hours a week. Was that, yeah. was that training? 
Yeah, so I was used to dancing 40 hours a week, and so it was like a part-time job for me. That's insane. So, part-time, yeah, and so full-time. when I switched <laughs> from dance to lifting, me being in the gym for two and a half, three hours a day, I mean, I was like, that's a piece of cake. And so when people were, like, leaving the gym or trying to get out of the gym earlier, and I had, like, all of this extra time, I was like, I'm for me to work on myself extra and put in that extra work, I'm like, Time-wise, it's like a no-brainer for me because I'm still not in the gym as much as I was in the studio. So I just think that that helped separate me as well in terms of work ethic. Everyone else was just like hurried to get all their stuff done. And I was just like, it takes the amount of time it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 40 hours a week of training for for a day, it's like, whoop, that is a full-time job. You would get there like nine and leave at five? Like that sounds crazy. So we would do... I would do Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I would be there from three to nine ish. And then Wednesday, I would be there from three to eight. And then Saturdays were from 8.45 to one or two. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty close to 40 hours. And, and so when, when you first started doing uh, powerlifting and initially your parents were a little bit, you know, they had all these visions of you in terms of doing the dance and um, and everything that you put into the dance. What was the defining factor factor in terms of them backing for powerlifting? Was it when you, they went to Texas and they seen how close you were, taking a fourth, being off just by kilos, hitting that platform and realizing, oh my God, you know, if, if she goes um, all in. I think that they knew that I was like, I could be really good at it. And I've always been... I, I always do everything that I do to 110%. And I, I just like leaving every situation knowing that I would not have done anything differently. And so I think that they knew that if I was going to give up something that I loved a lot to do something else that I loved a lot, then that was what I needed to do. I have like super supportive parents. So even though it was rough on them, they wanted to make sure that I, I did the, the right choice for me. And then from there, they were just like, yeah, I mean, do what you want to do. It's your life, so. So once you decide to go all in, uh, what were some of the changes you decided to start making? Because you had just missed the platform. And, and at that point, in mm-hmm. 2016, how old were you? 2016, I was about to turn 17. I was still 16. Wowzers. So you were just uh, 16 years old and decided you're going to make some yeah. big changes. When you decided to go all in and power the thing, what were some of the changes you made? Because you here's the one thing that dancing did teach you. In terms of discipline, mm-hmm. in terms of getting out what you put in, in terms of work ethic, in terms of all those, and at the same time, you're still running track. Yeah, it was busy. I, I was <laughs> in really great shape, to say the least. But... Um, I, the biggest change that I made was, um, I remember my coach being like, okay, you're in the 72 kilo class, but we need to fill you out. And so you can see actually on my, the database that I filled out the 72 kilo class, like exactly then before that I was like 70 point, whatever, 70 and some change. And then I started being like 71.8, 71.7, 71.99, that kind of thing. And I just really started focusing on my nutrition and making sure that I could get everything out of my training. So I remember I gained like 10 pounds or something like that. And, oh man, it must've been like two and a half months. And I, I just remember sitting before that meet, before raw nationals, 
Um, actually, Natalie Richardson, she's a, an equipped bench presser now. I, I don't know that she's done any um, very many full meets since then, but I competed against her at that meet to get that spot for Belarus. And I just remember before I got there, we went out to eat that night, and I still was fine on weight. And he was like, okay, like, eat a full pack. Like, I got ordered ribs, and I was sweating eating these ribs. And he was like, Chloe, like, you don't have to keep stuffing your face. Like you can relax now. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's the night before just eat what you need to, to feel good. And I was like, it's too late, man. I'm sweating so bad. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there was that. And then I was just in the gym all the time. It, it was just, and it was that, that much more of a motivation for me because I knew that I gave up something else I love to do powerlifting. And so I was like, I'm not going to just throw it away and be like, Oh, well, you know, it, it just, it couldn't happen like that for me. At, for, for somebody, um, like, I don't know, because it is your life, maybe you might not even fully realize, but to be a teenager and be flying all over the world doing competitions like this at a high level, I mean, did the pressure at any point when you're going to Belarus, when you're going to Canada, mm -hmm. like going to Belarus, I remember when I went there, it is yeah. a whole entire different world. I mean, when you when you get off on the plane, just yeah. getting the visa is a crazy. It was a crazy journey. Just trying to get go jump through all those hoops, getting your visa, going through the airport and all the customs, getting off the plane, and everything is in either Belarusian or Russian. Going to the grocery store, trying to get mm -hmm. weight cutting supplies, and you can't read any of the labels. You're like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? I mean, yeah, I remember feeling at times overwhelmed. The time zone, different change, and um, showing up at the arena and it is absolutely packed with a live mm -hmm. stream and knowing some of these live stream views reach in the millions. I mean, this is, this is big. For a teenager, right. when you're Belarus, I, you would have been 16, 17. What is yeah. that like? Like, did it, did it ever impact you where you're like, holy smokes, man. Like, this, this, things got big. Things escalated quickly. You know, it's... it's yeah, I did. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I've worked my butt off for this. And, and really that's like what I, I feel like going into every meet. I'm like, I've worked my butt off for this. So like whatever happens, I, I know that if it's on the bar, it's possible for me to get in. And that's one of the biggest things of advice, like pieces of advice that I give to the people on my team and the people that um, I, I train online. I'm like, if you go into that meet and the, the weight's on the bar, then you know that you can get it, yeah. right? Like, I'm like, if it's hard, it's possible for you to get it. So you might as well just do it. When you travel to a place like Belarus, does your family go with you? Yeah. Okay. And that's kind yeah, of yeah, they did. But this year, my my dad was like, if you end up going to Belarus again, I'm just gonna ship you off there by yourself. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, do you think you'd be ready for that? Yeah, yeah, I I do. I think I'd be good. Um, it's it's all like discipline, though. I'm I mean, like on the plane, you got to get up and walk around, or else it, you'll pay for it later. Like, and it's just like a bunch of small things that you wouldn't normally think about, or you wouldn't think are a big deal. But I mean, it really is. Um, just I think since I've been through that now, and I know what to expect, and I know what my body needs, I would be okay with doing that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a a blessing that I'm able to travel to all these different places and compete like that. So yeah, no, 100%. You're seeing the world while at the same time doing your sport and you have, so you're one of the, 
the people, like you've come through a generation where a lot of people, they would jump into the, like they just start powerlifting and they're already in the open age. Maybe they started powerlifting when they were of a junior age. You came in mm-hmm. young, um, still high school, and then just doing it for fun, jumped in as a sub junior. So it's it's like a slow boil. And when you end up in the open, it kind of, it won't be as, I mean, it's always going to be a little bit overwhelming. There'll always be some butterflies, but that's a good thing. I mean, if you don't have, yeah. you, you don't have adrenaline, if you don't have adrenaline, good luck hitting PR. So it's a good thing to feel the moment, but it's, you have, it's like you're climbing steps, like a natural step-by-step progression right. for you to reach the top, sub-junior, then junior. And then, yeah, if you go to Belarus next year and your parents don't go, it's not that crazy. This is I mean, I don't yeah. want to say more of the same. It's like you do it every week, but it still isn't entirely new to you. You've been around here. So yeah. I know what I need to be successful, and I, I know how I need to prepare for that ahead of time. And since I um, – one of the things you asked me was what else I changed when I started um, focusing on powerlifting from dance. And I started doing mental training all the time. Every Sunday I would do mental training. And – it's evolved since then. I, I don't always necessarily have a specific time for me to do mental training, but I will think about it when I'm in the shower. I'll think about it when before I go to bed or while I'm training and stuff like that. It just kind of gets incorporated into your life instead of it necessarily always having to be a specific time that you do that thing. But I mean, it's just been lots of steps up to that. And so I know what I need to be successful. I know if I need to talk to someone, I know if I need, um, advice I know if I need an outside perspective and so once you get to that point it's just like you know I, I just know what I need to do and that's that's a good feeling at, at one point and then also like all right well here we are in another so <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean when you say mental training so I'm interested here's I talked to um Mark McQueen uh he from yeah. the UK 120 um, and uh, I think he's taking a little hiatus from powerlifting. But anyways, he was telling me mm-hmm. he at one point had, had gone to, and this interests me because I know I'm glad you brought up mental training because this is kind of like as a sport we've seen programming, and as a sport mm-hmm. we see we're seeing handling, and uh, and sometimes yeah. you have specialists for programming, specialists for handling. We see nutrition, mm-hmm. but the mental aspect isn't there yet. Other sports sometimes have it. And Mark McQueen yeah. actually started to go see. Um, is it a, it's a hypnotist. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking hypnotist in terms of, you know, you go to kind of like a stand-up comedy thing where there's a hypnotist sometimes. He makes some people in the crowd do some funny things. That's what I'm thinking when I think hypnotist. But apparently, right. yeah, like that's what I was thinking, right? But apparently they have some sports, some hypnotists, just not for sports, for everyday life, where they put you under. And let's say you have like, um, like for in his in his situation, he had an injury with his shoulder where the pain was so bad for him to be pressing 100 kilo, which for this guy who weighs 120 kilo was nothing. Yeah. He, he said he'd be in tears. It was so painful and, and he had anxiety about it going into, it's actually Belarus actually. He's going into the Belarus mm-hmm. World Championships. Went to go see a hypnotist and the hypnotist said, lay down, um, I'm going to start talking to you and we're just going to go on this little journey together. So just follow me, stay open-minded. So the hypnotist is saying, What's your favorite color? Mark McQueen goes, my favorite mm-hmm. color is blue. And then he goes, okay, I want you to picture you're in a blue room. And he goes, now I want you to start doing big inhales with me. 
Start inhaling huge breaths. And every time Mark started breathing in, he goes, I want you to picture this blue room. The blue is coming off the walls and into your lungs with every inhale. And it's becoming part of you. And Mark McQueen's like, man, this is crazy. But he started doing it. <laughs> and then he started turning blue in his mind's eye. His eyes are closed. And then he said, mm-hmm. he like, he doesn't remember after that. He doesn't, which is kind of creepy, but anyways, he doesn't remember yeah. what happened after that. He said he, he, he came to, he didn't necessarily wake up, but he came to, yeah. and the guy, and he was like, um, is that it? And the guy's like, yeah. He goes, well, that was pretty quick. And he's like, no, you, you've been here an hour. And Mark was like, <laughs> what the shit? I remember like 60 seconds. And then he goes, so Mark was like, so we good? And he's like, yeah, we're good. And Mark's like, I don't know if this is going to work. So he goes to Belarus. The bench press event comes around. He's in Belarus. And um, he just starts picturing the blue. And he starts taking these huge breaths. Mm -hmm. And he said all of a sudden, he felt like he was powering up. And when he went on bench press, and he can't explain it, the dude ended up hitting a bench press PR. And he's like, I am sold with that kind of like, you know, the mental aspect. And uh, I, yeah, yes, I mean, it's, I, I gotta, I wanna try hitting with this, but I'm kind of, kind of creeped out by it, but I also wanna, I wanna try it. But <laughs> Steffi Cohen came on and she was saying, I, I haven't she, tried. Isn't it intriguing? Is Sorry, that I haven't tried the, yeah, I haven't tried the hypnotist, but I've, I've called or tried what people call psycho-cybernetics, which is just like placing yourself in that exact space and imagining as much specific detail as you can. That's so you can figure out your emotions and also what's driving you at that point and what you need to control. And that's, that's what I focus on, but I'd totally be open to the hypnotist. That's, that's crazy. I think what you were talking about, I think that's what Steffi Cohn also did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because she had, I think the US Open, she had bombed out. And then she was returning after the bomb out. And I mean, obviously she heard a lot. Like when you're as big a, a star as Steffi Cohen, you get, it, sometimes people are waiting for you to fumble the ball. You know what I mean? They can't right. wait. They can't wait to be that person on you. And, um, and I was like, how did you deal with it? And she said, like you said, start doing a lot of prep, like a lot of mental prep. And then I was like, I love yeah. those kind of conversations. So I'm like, what did you do? And it sounds like she did the exact same thing you were talking about where visualizing over and over and not just visualizing perfect scenarios because sometimes you're setting, yeah. setting yourself up. Oh, if I, like, if you picture nine for nine and it's only nine for nine, when you, if you miss yeah. a squat, all of a sudden the panic sets in and you're like, oh my God, this is not the script. And that's really not how life yeah. works. Life is never to script. I don't. I probably don't got to tell you. You've been around the world a couple right. times. <laughs> so, um, so when it, things don't go to script, you got to get right back on. So apparently, just like hammering home different scenarios and hammering home like mm-hmm. best case scenarios, worst case scenarios, everything in between, so you know how to get right. back on track. It, it, like, mm-hmm. what kind of stuff? Like, were you detailing that kind of thing when you do your mental prep? Yeah, I would, I would do, um, scenarios where like, um, I was in the lead on squat or I was second on squat and there was someone squatting after me and they either got the squat or they didn't get the squat. I mean, I, I will go through the whole knee and, um, visualize how I look on the platform, who's around me, how many people are there, like everything. And just go through every single aspect and how I feel in that situation. I oftentimes get stuck at the chalk bowl because 
at the chapel is kind of my your my last chance really to to bring everything together. And so um, I focus on that and I focus on my setup because especially on bench with setup, really every setup, every everything, every time um, is just finding that golden setup. And if I can go from there and commit every time, it's actually pretty cool. Someone asked me in um, Belarus. I, they were like, what did you say when you, before you squatted that first world record squat? Because that was my first world record ever, was um, my last squat in Belarus. And I had started during that prep every time in my head, I would say commit. But at that point in time, I said it out loud, like just a whisper before I went. <laughs> and someone had asked, yeah, someone had asked me what, what I said. I was like, oh, I didn't say anything. And then later on, my, my, my coach asked me, he was like, hey, what did you say? And I was like, I said commit. And he was like, huh. Is cool. It? So it's just like little cues and those cues change over time, obviously, but I mean, it's just whatever you need to make that work for you. It's, it's crazy. Like, you know, I would get chills if I was a spotter and loader and I heard somebody come out there and they like under the breath, like one of those movie moments. Just, 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 <laughs> just almost. You'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. You know what would be, you know what would be even scarier? It feels something like. I don't know that I've done it since then, but I'll like I'll have those mental reminders all the time. But yeah. It would be if somebody was that crazy, kill them all. You'd be like, if I was if I was a spotter loader, I'd be like, this girl's gonna win. I don't I don't give a shit. This girl this girl this girl came ready. This girl came ready. She's, she's got the yeah. mental prep, but it is, um, and that's another thing actually that, uh, some of the mental prep people, like, I don't even know what the, what their name is, but like the mental prep people are saying when you're in the storyline, like sports uh, psychologist, yeah. Although psychology, mm-hmm. I don't know what degrees you have to have to be called a psychologist, but anyways, let's call them that. So they were saying when you're going through these storylines too, and let's say you start veering off path and some things started going like not as planned. Some people have certain right. words they use to bring themselves back, whether it's a word, whether mm-hmm. it's an image. Um, some people say like the name of someone they look up to an idol and you picture like what would they mm-hmm. do and start bringing mentally. You have certain cues to bring yourself mentally back to the winning mind frame because right. you will be be pulled off of the storyline you had told yourself for the, for the first three months. It is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you actually prep yourself when it does happen, you're ready and you use certain cues to remind yourself, oh, this is like, you know, like Muhammad Ali is like one of my idols. Oh, this is just like, like Ali, what did he say? What did he do? What did he, he starts bringing you back. No, 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 no. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're all good. Um, but yeah. I think oftentimes people think mental prep is just picturing nine for nine. Picturing hitting a big squat here, picturing and never actually letting in there. It's like weak to even picture missing, but how many times do you actually go nine for nine? And if it doesn't happen and you miss that big squat, that ain't, the story ain't over. You know, it ain't, yeah. it ain't near over. Whoever wins is usually who rebounds, enters yeah. the bench like that never happened. And that's, I feel like, uh, all, like experience is massive for being able to do that and not fall apart, which even though you just are no longer a teenager, you have crazy amount of experience. Oh, you still with us? I was just going off. I was just going off on the tangent there. Let's give it a ring back.
Hey, we got you back. Can you hear us? We can hear you. Okay. Good. Okay, good. Okay. I was just going off on a tangent there. I was just saying how um in terms of like yeah. building up mental fortitude and being oh damn. Okay. We are struggling with <laughs> we are struggling, my man. It's the it's the university college life life. Yeah, for sure. It, the big thing is you got like however many people. Okay, we got you again. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. I was just saying how um, experience really does, it means a lot in terms of like any sports, mm -hmm. because even though you can mentally prep for it, and you should, and the more you do something, the more it alleviates anxiety, there's nothing quite mm -hmm. like experiencing it in live form. Like for instance, um, when you think of Jen Thompson or Kimberly Walford, we were just talking about Kimberly Walford earlier, 40 years old. You know how many different scenarios mm -hmm. she's actually probably lived through? It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, so it does help. And even though you were just a teenager, like, you know, we're talking days ago, you already have a wealth of experience, which is a huge advantage when you're going into like the juniors. <laughs> I think what you said earlier is like all the different scenarios. I think one of them that people get caught on is how to react when weight doesn't move the way that they think it does yes. or the way that they think it should. Yeah. And so I, a, a classic example of this, I feel like is for bench. And I think a lot of people are, are, are mentally weak with bench because like, it's not always their favorite lift. I mean, obviously it varies per lifter, but it's, it's pretty common for people to be like, man, I just freaking hate bench. So like I, I get to those, those points in the middle and that reminder that I would give myself of, like, no, we're finishing this all the way through. I mean, that would go all the way through that. I'm like, okay, if that's how that feels, how are we going to react to that? And so I would, I remember getting so upset with people that my, my junior and senior years of high school, when I'd um, been competing, when I watch people and, and they'll get stuck mid squat. And instead of trying to grind through that and overcoming that, they just automatically feel it hard. And like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in meat, they, they feel it get hard and then they just drop. And I'm like, did you do anything there? Like, and that just really, I want to see heart every time that I go on the platform. And I hope that that's what I portray every time I go on the, on the platform, whether I get the lift or forbid I miss the lift. Like, I hope that I gave every single ounce of what I had there. And people were like, she gave everything that you had. That's what I hope every single time. It's essentially, so, essentially when it comes down to it, and, and there's another like mental advantage some people can have is, as long as you walk away leaving the best on the platform, you just leave it on the platform, there's not much else you could do. You're like, hey, look, it, I gave what I had. The tough thing about our yeah. sport, you have like two to three days a year that maybe you might compete. <laughs> Whereas in baseball yeah. or whatever, you can have like 80 games or more, whatever the baseball season is, and you can lose. You can have a couple bad days. You can even still win when you had a bad day because teammates around you pick up the slack. We don't have that. Right. So in terms of, it's, it's tougher for us to, when you have like six months until your next time you're going to go out there and play, it's harder to shrug off. And if you start falling apart mid-meet, you know, and start almost mentally checking out, I mean, it's, it, you almost can't, you almost, yeah. you almost owe it to yourself. Look, it, it's going to be another six months to, to correct this wrong. How do you want the story to end? You know, you got to try to find some yeah. kind of, some kind right. of moral ground, some kind of way of collecting yourself. Um, when you were in Calgary and dealing with slip discs, mm -hmm. 
what, did you realize, like, were you feeling it when you're in the squats? Did you realize, like, man, you, I'm compromised? Because I think I remember oh my God. hearing before you were lifting, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if I'm rewriting history, that there was something wrong. Yeah, um, we tried keeping it quiet because we were hoping that things would turn around beforehand. I hadn't had an MRI before that, and um, I was getting treatment for it, but we hadn't like confirmed for sure that it was um, a slip disc either way because I didn't have an MRI, and um, I hadn't had any uh, tests done, physical tests done to see if uh, it was from the pain and trying to alleviate it as much as I could and trying different things, and I was doing lots of like um, back traction and extension kind of stuff to keep it more Damn. <laughs> we are hitting some uh, bad Wi Fi PRs. Let's try. It's funny, you know. I'll let her call me. Actually, we'll keep talking until then. It's funny when she. So when she was saying we tried to keep it low pro, man. I'm a, I'm a commentator. And you found out. So that I, means everyone, hey, everyone knew. Uh, well, did I say you? Well, actually, when we were starting. Um, hey, hey guys. Do you hear? This? I just put my Wi-Fi back on, so hopefully that'll help. Okay, sounds good. Uh, yeah, you were saying in terms of trying to keep it under wraps that you had an injury. Yeah. And so, um, what was, what were we talking about? I lost what we were talking about. Yeah, so dealing, um, dealing with the slip discs, um, you know, walking in there, you knew you were compromised. You had traveled to another yeah. country. You still had USA across uh, the chest and the family probably until watching and dealing with that, mm -hmm. realizing, you know, you, you were trying to keep the, having a slip discs, you know, just to yourself within the same camp and, and walking mm -hmm. in the world's in that situation. Yeah, I was, I was hoping, I didn't want anyone else to know about that situation because I still wanted to perform to the best of my ability and I didn't want anyone to, to feel bad for me while I was competing. I didn't want anyone asking me how I was while I was competing. I wanted just my people that I needed next to me and that was it. And actually Susie Hartwig Gary came up to me and, um, was I was like, I would really appreciate it if you would just help me and be here because I knew that she had gone through a similar situation um, in her time competing. And um, yeah, I mean, hitting depth for every single squat that last two or three inches just to get depth was excruciating every single time. And so going into benches, I was like, I have to get this world record because this will be the only thing that I, I really remember from this meet that's how I felt at the time was that I'm like this will be the only thing that marks this meet as good meat and um then going into deadlifts I I mean I was doing my very best but it was also the first time deadlifting for like in a week and a half because I just literally I physically was not able to and I mean we just did what we could and I remember walking off the platform I have pictures walking off the platform where I mean, I'm in so much pain. I'm not crying, but my face is like so 
contorted. I can send you guys these pictures too. Um, and people, my coach is helping me walk off the platform and I did all of that to get a third place medal. And I just really was proud of myself. I remember asking Susie, I was like, it hurts every time. I was like, I can't get away from the pain, you know, because it's that kind of pain. It's the kind of pain where like it electric shocks you through like your spine all the way down to your feet and you almost get like stunned you get like stuck and so she was like yeah you can't ignore this kind of pain you have to know it's going to be there and then it's up to you to work through it so every single one of those pulls i was like (laughs) i think actually under my breath on this one which is you're going to think is funny i was like son of a bitch every time (laughs) every time before i made every single one of those pulls i was like man this is gonna suck but here we go so I mean it's just like being prepared for that every time and I I don't really have anything else to say for that but I I also thought it was interesting how my perspective did change on that over time I was upset because I I couldn't um I I did fight for that gold medal but I I wasn't in the physical state to to do so in a in a way that made sense for me and in my body and what I was physically able to do at that time it was very hard because I was so mentally ready, but my body wouldn't let me. And I think that that was one of the hardest things that I ever went through. I I'd never experienced a difference in physical and mental preparation. Um, it's, it's pretty common for people to be physically ready, but not mentally ready. But having that opposite happen where you're mentally ready, but not physically ready is, is very frustrating. Um, and so it just helped me not take any of that stuff for granted every time. You know, it's, like sometimes it's, it's those stories are almost more dramatic in like gripping. I remember that because I remember commentating and you could 100% see it on your face. You were battling through. And sometimes when mm-hmm. you see somebody, like for instance, one of my favorite movies of all time is Rocky. It won an Oscar, mm-hmm. obviously made Sylvester Stallone famous. And some people forget like all the other Rocky movies, Rocky wins the big fight at the end, at the end right? Rocky and the original yeah. Rocky, he doesn't win the fight. That's not what the point right. of the movie is. He picks himself off the canvas, takes his beating, and nobody thinks he deserves to be in the ring, and he's just trying to prove a point. There's no quit in his heart. And when you watch right. that happen, I remember Vander Holyfield, um, for a long time, he's a heavyweight champion of the world, and people were saying, well, the only reason why they're the champion is because Mike Tyson went to prison. You're not the real baddest man in the world. You're not the real champ. You're just, the, you're just the man because mm-hmm. Mike Tyson went to prison. And then Riddick Bo came yeah. around, beat Holyfield for his heavyweight title. Bo was younger, bigger, faster, you name it. Put a beating on Holyfield, but could not make Holyfield quit. Every single bell, people, the announcers are saying, we would totally understand if Evander did not come out for this next round because the beating is taking like we'd never seen. And every single bell, he got up and he answered the bell. And the reason why, like yeah. he, was, he was proving a point. It's not about winning at this point. I'm going to cross that finish line, and you're going to see I'm the heart of a champion. And it's when he lost, only when he lost his championship, that people start calling him the champion, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about it. But sometimes it's in those moments you're like, you guys are going to get a hell of a show. (laughs) You guys are going to see a hell of a show now. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially, sure. your, especially yeah, your and that was that was big. That was a big change for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at your age too, you got plenty of more kicks at the can, so to speak. I mean, you at that time was still like eighteen years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So, so I, I think I was, wait, was I 17? I was 17, yeah. Holy smokes. So you were 17 years old. So yeah. in going into Sweden, what was the situation going into Sweden? You said those were also interesting surroundings. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to make any excuses ever. I mean, I, I am so proud of how I did at Sweden because I felt like I took what I had that day and I made the absolute most of it. Um, the numbers weren't what I was expecting, but I'm, I'm proud of my performance, and, and that's what um, I want to be able to say each and every time, no matter what the circumstances are. But yeah, I mean, I, I went through a coach change and um, went through um, just like dealing with uh, having collegiate nationals in between. I, I There were just some different things that happened. And um, I mean, and traveling internationally is, is always a new experience. Even Like you yeah. said earlier, the experience does make a difference, but it, it's always different. Traveling is always different every what single time. And so, um, I like this specific time. I, I was trying to sleep through my flights more so than focusing on getting up and walking around and drinking water. And it, it just kind of kicked me in the butt, I think. And um, also, like my weight cut, I tried cutting a little bit too early, and I think that took some stuff out of me. So all learning experiences, but regardless, I'm happy with how I presented at that meet given what I had that day. The numbers were underneath what I wanted, but. Um, I'm, I'm happy that on a bad day, I can total over 500 keys now, you know, so that's, that's, a, that's a mark for me. You know what I'd like to, so I was actually commentating your sister's flight. Um, you guys are both competing, I think at the same time, if I got the story right. And I was doing sub juniors in your sister's flight and I, your sister's flight had finished and I ran over to your flight on uh, platform one and started commentating, joined your commentary <laughs> crew. And I remember after your last pull, I think we all thought you had it in the bag and then Ida came and she took it with her last deadlift, a bit of a Hail Mary deadlift to take that. And you could probably count in yes. the arena who, who would have thought that would have happened. And this is again where you show like your maturity and your experience. I remember thinking, man, you must be gutted because I mean, the, the American team, everybody was pretty sure you had just sealed your world championship at the juniors that you had been chasing. And the first person to meet Ida on the side was you to congratulate her. Yeah. And I was like, damn Absolutely. it, man. I don't know. That shows some character. Again, like, you know, sports reveal people's character, right? And um, at your age, yeah. man, that would have been, I mean, that would have been hard for me. I don't think I've ever greeted somebody at the side. I don't think, <laughs> if, if sports reveal character, I don't know what that says for me. But uh, but you were like, I'm going to be the first person, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the first person to shake her hand and, and congratulate her. I mean, yeah. that's, it's hard, man. It's hard to do those kind of things. And you look genuine. You had a smile on your face. You were happy for her. But um, I remember that. These are some takeaways that sometimes, even though you don't win, you can still make a big, big statement. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, it's, it's everyone. I think this sport is made by everyone who is involved with this prop. One of them actually was back there. I probably didn't know that second attempt deadlift. I blacked out for a second after I set the bar down. I remember finishing the lift. But I don't remember setting it down or walking past the screen to see that I got the white lights. I just remember seeing the white lights on the screen and then being in the back. And I was like, I need sugar. Like, my blood levels had dropped so low. And um, 
I was just like, I know that I'm fighting and I know that she's fighting. And I think that that's something that people forget when they're competing. They're like, man, I just feel like crap. I'm like, well, chances are everyone else feels exactly the same that you do. And so for her to go and do that and for me to make that last pull feeling the way I did and for her to make her last pull the way that she was feeling, I mean, she she won that fair and square. And that is something that she should be so proud of. And I am, am very happy for her. So that's a big congratulations for her walking into the u.s raw nationals um is this kind of is this kind of your meat you know they, they, there's a saying they're starting to kick around called the super meat where everything comes mm-hmm. together Do you, are you is this gonna yeah. be your super meat where you're like you know what i've had my days and this is the one where i like everything to kind of come together for me how are you feeling walking into this raw nationals um, I am hopeful, um, like I am for every me. I think that the, all the girls though, that are showing up, some of them are new faces. Some of them are moving up from, uh, weight classes underneath. And, um, last year I was really excited because I think I, I was, I was very confident about how nationals was going to go and it didn't go how I was expecting for it to. And so I am just focused on bettering myself having a great competition with these girls and, and, and whoever comes out on top earned it is that's what I'm looking for in this meet. So as much as I would like to have those perfect numbers and everything like that, I'm looking for those PRs and for just having a great meet in general. Um, I, I look for every meet to be my super meet if that, if that's possible, but um, it, it's just not always there every time. So hopefully um, everything will come together and that'll show at raw nationals. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're 100% right. And end of the day, too, sometimes you got to put the ego aside and be like, we just need a win. Once you start sometimes yeah. reaching for those big third attempts and you miss a third, yeah, like even, even whatever the nominations say, some of these girls could be way bigger in terms of their nominations. And then, you know, right. you, you might look past them. If you were to look past them and you go for a big third thinking, man, I got a lot of room, that's when those upsets happen. So you're probably right. You know, stay in the pocket. Get the W and, and, and sign your ticket to Belarus. Um, yeah, see, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and it's, it's probably the best way. Who handles you, by the way? Who does your handling? Um, Tim Anderson will be handling me at our nationals. Okay. And does he do your programming as well? No, I do my programming. Oh, wow. And how was that when you're programming for yourself? A different feeling or what? Um, yeah, it, it is a different feeling. I programmed for myself for... Um, Raw Worlds too in Sweden, um, and so made some fine-tuned adjustments. I, I really like it actually because I, I know the rules, I know what works for me, and I know where I'm supposed to be on what day. Um, people that know me like know that I like being kind of quiet on social media up to meets because I, I just don't want to share my numbers up to meets. But um, yeah, I I really enjoy doing it, and I'm actually having. Um, Shane Nutt, my boyfriend, he's um, kind of my check-in person uh, at the end of the week. We kind of just review stuff, and he's going to help me along with my peak just so I can um, be in my brain and outside of my brain at the same time. He's just going to overlook that as we get ready for that. But it's, it's always a team effort, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. Tim Anderson's great with numbers calling. That's his talent, so I'm excited. It is a big deal to have someone to bounce things off of, right? Like, no, like, just like... Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're driving the car yourself, that's cool. 
if you're going into a city you've never been to, you're all right. You got your GPS going. Yeah. But there's nothing quite like having somebody in the passenger seat. You're still driving, but they're in the passenger seat. Right. So if you get lost on the way and the GPS is fucking up, you turn to the person and be like, hey, man. Would you? What do you think about this? This is what I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> like that's the analogy I like to use. Is like whoever you need someone to write shotgun at least, you know, or so and somebody that you actually trust. Which um, obviously your boyfriend's a powerlifter, competitive. Um, so yeah, he, it would be perfect there because it is um, right. the one thing when you're inside it, you're programming and you're actually you're also the athlete. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can get romantically attached to numbers that you want to hit in prep. Or you start, and you start actually being like, you know, that was RPE8. And, um, yeah. you know, some people are like, ah. Like, I know you wanted that number. And I know the plan was mm-hmm. an 8. You hit that number. Yeah. But I don't think it was as planned as an 8. So that's where, like, and right. I see, that's probably the most common, is people just getting romantically attached to numbers. And they are hitting those numbers rain or shine. Um, mm-hmm. That's where you have that maybe somebody you trust close by. However, yeah. So that being your boyfriend, that's good. And on the flip side, it can be tough too because you you don't want to end up in a fight with your boyfriend about something. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I he he's just kind of there to to watch my videos after. But then as we get closer, I run it both my the guy that's handling me, Tim Anderson. I run those numbers by him. I'm like, hey, watch these last sets because this is what I want to hit in the next few weeks. I'll be like, this is my number range, and he'll he'll say yes or no, or I think you should do this. Or that, and actually, actually this week, um, I was like, hey, do you think I should go this number or that number? And he picked the lower one, and then afterwards, he was like, well, you moved that better than what I thought. I was like, yes. <laughs> so, so um, I mean, it's it's just really nice having them there, like you said, to to watch over everything. So yeah, exactly. but that's what that's what I think I I messed up on was programming myself that first time for Raw Worlds in Sweden. I think I pushed it a little bit too much. I hit. Uh, 270 touch and go in the gym, 470, 470 in the gym um, for deadlift, and then I squatted 405, and I think that that was just way too close to my numbers, and my my intensity was just way too high. Sorry, for before. What did you say you hit for deadlifts? Um, my so my best in meet is 475, okay. but in in the gym before um, Sweden, I hit 470. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, it was good. But it was like exactly like you said, like, oh, RPA, but it was probably a little bit more intense than that. You know, it was clean, but it, it was, it, it, I think it took it out of me. And so um, just learning from that and, and not pushing that as hard and be, uh, being a little bit smarter with my numbers and, and realizing how things actually feel is, yeah. has, has been good, being flexible with myself. Because just like you were mentioning earlier, Steffi Cohen, um, she talks about how strength fluctuates a lot. And so, yeah, I mean, just going with how I feel that day and doing everything I can to make sure I feel good that day. But, you know, things don't always go to plan. Yeah, no, 100%. You've got to, it's, it's, it shows maturity calling those audibles. Because I've had people, like, the amount of podcasts we've done at this point with the amount of different lifters. And I've had people come on and say they had preps where they hit, like, zero, none of the numbers they wanted to hit, and they still mm-hmm. had a PR day come the day of, which is wild. And you just, it's easy to get in your own head and start being like, the I, the plan was this number, the plan was that number. Yeah. I hit all these numbers before, I wanted to at least have hit them, my numbers have rolled back, 
So you start doing the math in your head being like, this means I'm weaker. And it doesn't always work out that way. You know, it's good mm -hmm. to take into account when trying to take your attempt selection, but it's weird how it works out. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, this is sports in any given day, right? You show up on that day, you saved a little gas in the tank. You're like, oh my God. You know, when we had Sam Calhoun yeah. on, Sam Calhoun was like, my training numbers were not even close to anything I put on the platform. And when she won the Royal yeah. Nationals. Um, so it's, it's, it is a dicey proposition. You know, you really do. You, you go through the training cycles and you've been doing this for years. So it's easier and easier to kind of recognize patterns. Um, now, right. I'm sure you heard about, what are your thoughts on this SPD Invitational? You, it, the criteria is out there. I think it's really cool. <laughs> isn't it? Like, it's, it's literally, um, basically, some people worried it might take the onus off of the World Championships, when in reality, <clears throat> you win the World Championships, you're punching your ticket to go to the SBD Invitational. And, um, I mean, we're talking, they, they have over $300,000 in Invitational money. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll be pretty crazy. It, doesn't the the winner get two hundred fifty thousand euros or something like that? I, I saw it on their post the other day, and so I just really think it's elevating powerlifting to to the next level. Like that's what everyone's wanting to do in in the sport and treat powerlifting athletes like athletes, just like in um, collegiate powerlifting, just having collegiate powerlifting and having scholarships that go along with. I mean, it's just really advancing what we can do in sport and supporting our lifters. So I think it's great. And it's, um, yeah, so I think that's the overall, I don't know, see, that's in pounds. I don't know what the pound conversion is. I think they haven't released who, like what the individual prize is. Overall, it's going to be over 300,000 US, but there's only 24 lifters. So if, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we're talking super tough to qualify, but you win a world championship as long as you have over 700 IPF points, which almost everybody wins the world is going to have to have. Um, I mean, yeah. you're punching your ticket right there. It is one of those deals. I mean, that's the type of money. It's not life-changing, but definitely year-changing. That's definitely down payment yeah. on your house. Pay off your, you know, your, your student loans or whatever. It's definitely going to be a lot of money <laughs> for sure. Um, so all eyes are going to be on that. I'm uh, looking at the 72 kilo class. You know, it looks like it, it's kind of like in almost a transition period. You got Kimberly Walford, who doesn't seem to age, but at some point she's got to because she's already in her 40s. Like at some point, you know, it can't be her forever, you would think. Um, and then you have Anna Castellane, who who's, who's, can be a monster any given day. She could be the best in the world. Yep. Um, or any given day, you can finish off the platform because it's so, or sorry, the podium because it's so deep. Um, Jessica Bittner's mm -hmm. flirting with moving up to 84, but she seems a little small for an 84. But um, how yeah. at 20 years old, when you look at this, are you thinking, you know, it, it is your goal, and we don't want to look past the U.S. overall, like the Open Nationals for sure, but is your goal, right. let's, let's say you have the opportunity to either pick the Open or to pick uh, juniors, if, which one do you think you would lean towards? I would have to go open. I would have to. Okay. Because I, I know that my numbers are, are right in there with, with the girls that podiumed. I think um, Jessica's total at this Worlds was 527, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. And so 
being seven and a half kilos off of my current best PR, I'm like, if I have a good day, there's no reason I shouldn't be up on that podium with them. You know what I mean? So I would absolutely go open for that spot. It's one of those tough, um, you know what, you could, you could go open and even back down to junior open. Like there is no, the door doesn't close behind you once you go open, I'm pretty sure. As long as you're of age, you could always. Right, yeah. Because the, the thing would be, once you go, like, open is always going to be there for you. Uh, but juniors has a cap. You know what I mean? You are going to eventually age out of juniors, and you can never go back. Do you feel like mm-hmm. taking a junior title before you leave the juniors is, is something you need, is something you want? Is that one of the check boxes you want? Or do you think, you know what? I'm good. I can move on from juniors and never look back. I don't need that world win. Because you've been so close you know, a couple times in a row and you've got the sub junior worlds. Is that something you want there? Or are you okay with moving on without it and just moving past it? I want to be in the most competitive place that I can be at because I feel like comparing myself to the people that are divided off is, is not right. And in terms of honesty to myself and being as competitive as I'm able to be. And so if I get that open team spot, I would absolutely take it. I mean, as much as I would like to win a, a junior world title, being in the open is where I want to be. And, and just like um, Jen Thompson and all the 63s and Jen Melican and Sam Calhoun all, all talked about, like, don't take your worlds for granted. And so I would I would not turn down that open spot every time because you never know who's going to come up. You never know um, what's going to happen. You know, it's just it's just so competitive now. You don't know when the next time you're going to get that spot. In so... Yeah, I would you, go. I would go open for sure. You know what? Yeah, you're probably right. You just talked me into it because you're you're absolutely right. If you get the opportunity for the open, look, juniors, masters, those are they're still worlds and they're great. But there's nothing quite right. like the sizzle of the open. When that open starts, no. I mean, that's where all the stars come to do battle. That's when you're in the warm up room. You're looking around, and there are literally legends walking around in the warm up room, and it's like, holy shit, here we are. And you're 100% right. right. Right? Like, there's always somebody else coming through the ranks that nobody sees coming. There's always that one next star. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Who knows who comes into the 72s and this was your time, that was your spot, but instead you went junior when you could have went open. Um, yeah, I think you probably... Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you're 100% bang on uh, to take it if, if, if it's on the table. And looking at the numbers... Whenever you're within 10 kilo, I mean, you'd be almost crazy not to, especially at 20 years old, the type of gains that you could possibly Absolutely. make in a year's time. And I'm going to compete against Jessica again. <laughs> and there's, and there's, and there's, I'm going to rematch at some point in time. You do, so. <laughs> you do owe her a rematch, that's for sure. And uh, Vilma Olsen as well. She looked like she smashed some numbers. Yes, yes. She's roughly your, the same age, right? I have yet to compete against her. Well, she was in Calgary. Yeah, though. yeah, we're the same age. She she took silver. Yeah, she was in Calgary. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, she was in Calgary. I forgot. So you got both those girls. Yes, I I am thrilled to compete against like, On, them again. Both, um, both of them. But I also like people um, will always be like, "Hey, Chloe, you, you know, like Chloe, the world champion." I'm like, guys, I am a sub junior world champion. I've yet won juniors, and so I like I think just having that that title of world champion and being in the running for that title of 
world champion with no butts at the end of it, that's, I mean, that's what you want. Because, yeah. I mean, as much, as cool as it is to win a world championship as a sub-junior or a junior, I mean, as telling as that is, it's not near as telling as winning an open national, or an open world championship, you know? It's just, it's just a completely different level. So, yeah. Do you think when you get to that level, though, because you will have girls, like, like how difficult is it to be walking in there and there is like a legend like Kimberly Walford in there. Is there, because there's a point where there's like a respect, but there's also a point where, like for instance, um, when you when you mentioned a couple times, hey man, I, I gotta get mine back from Jessica, you can tell, okay, you're, you're a competitive person, but um, at some point when you have a Kimberly Walford, let's say in there, cause she's mm -hmm. a legend and someone that like people look up to, is it tough to like turn it off and be like, it doesn't matter who it is. I respect, yeah, yeah, I respect you like that, but I can't do a job. And because you know, you know how the mental prep, you have to believe you can beat these people. You know, you have to, you have to believe you're going to win. Yeah. And when you have possibly the greatest powerlifter in the IP at the scene, also back there, you know, this, it's, it's one, it's a, it's a whole nother enchilada, you know? How do you feel? Yeah. How do you feel? I've actually respond? had some really, I've had some really weird connections to Kimberly Walford, actually. Um, I met her old track coach um, and he let me know. I, I put them together. They hadn't been in contact since she was in high school. And um, I, I put them in contact. He said that he knew, he was like, hey, I, I saw that you were training or you were competing against Kimberly Walford or like that you guys are in the same division. Like, have you talked to her? You know, yada, yada. She was the best athlete that we had at track and field. And um, I got them um, back in conversation. And that was just really neat to like be able to do that. It's just such a small world. Yeah. Um, all these connections that we have to these people that so many people idolize. And I, Kim also came down to Midland last year and worked with me and I've had phone call conversations with her uh, just like checking in and talking about training and, and stuff like that in the past. And I, I just, I just see her as, um, a friend. I haven't talked to her recently, but I, I definitely think I should again soon. Um, I see her as a friend. I see her as someone that has accomplished great things and for me to be able to compete, um, head to head with her again, like I did, I think it was that Ron Apples two years ago. That would be amazing. I would just love to uh, keep inching and us keep like me push her obviously to to get that spot or me push to to get that spot from her. Like everyone wants to do that in that division. I think that's the mindset that you have to have. Everyone has that immense respect for each other. But then also like I'm gonna give the best. That's so you give the best. So whoever gets this in the end, they absolutely earned that, and everyone has to say that they did. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, it is, um, I know, it, it's the thing with powerlifting, because it is different than other sports where, let's say, it's basketball, it's one-on-one. -on -one. You directly are going head up with this person. You know, you you, right. you look at it in the eyes, whereas powerlifting, everybody's got their turn on the, the game platform, so to speak. So it really doesn't matter what they do or whatever. It can't negatively impact your day regardless. So you're in a bit of a, a situation where you're, you can have somebody, like you don't have to try to get in their head or, or it's me versus you. It is literally just your own effort and whatever's going to happen. Right. Which does alleviate a little bit of that. And um, mm -hmm. the only time it kind of can impact is if somebody doesn't have that experience, they walk in there and they're like, holy shit, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so, you know, you, you get a little overwhelmed. Yeah. 
But that's where, despite being only 20 years old, you're a four-year veteran. I mean, you, you even yeah, I remember numbers. that that first time I walked into the Arnold and and Daniela Mello was back there and Sean Noriega and um, other big names. Uh, Ray Williams was warming up back there. I was oh, like, shit. oh my <laughs> gosh! I, I was, I oh, man, it was before Belarus, I think. And so I was 16 or oh, 17 no. at the time. I was 17. No, no, 16. And so I was like, this is insane. You were <laughs> so literally a I, I remember that feeling and I was like, okay, like we're here. Everyone else is showing up. So we're going to show up too, because we aren't just here to like hold places. Like that's not what we do here. <laughs> yeah. So. And it's, it's important too. Uh, I mean, when you get excited to not leave everything on squats and stay calm, cool, collected, as opposed to that's one of the things that nerves can do is you expend a lot more energy than you think. You know, when you get a little yeah. nervous, the butterflies, it's good, because then it brings in the adrenaline. But on the same time, man, if you go all out too early and you have that adrenaline dump, and then later on, you feel gassed out. Um, I mean, it's crazy that you were going through these experiences at 16. There was no freaking way I would have been able to handle that shit at 16 years old. Yeah. And how about your it, sister? It's pretty neat. Is, is are you pro, who's programming for your sister? And how, when did she did she get into this? Because you, like, you obviously have hit this kind of success, and she's like, "Hey, man, let me get a try." Yeah, so I am programming for my little sister, and so she'll be competing in the morning. Um, I'll compete at night at Raw Nationals, and then um, she is she got into it because of me. Yeah, um, and so she trained with my old coach there for a while, and then now I'm training her as well as myself. Do you think it's, is it tough, um, like being the sister of Chloe Dublin, you think, not like just, just, you know, from day to day, but in the powerlifting sense, like for instance, I don't know if everybody knows this, like Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer, he had a brother who boxed. That would suck mm -hmm. because he was all yeah. right, but he wasn't one of the greatest of all time. Like it's, it's a tough comparison where, um, no matter what you do, you're going to be compared. And it's tough when somebody opened through, open that door and walk through it, and you're going to walk through after them. When they're blazing a trail like you're blazing, it can be difficult because, you know, it's, it's the comparison is super high. The bar is set super high. Mm -hmm. Like, have you guys talked about that? Or is she, she, you know, what kind of relationship do you have in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, she's still convinced that she's, like, she's going to break all my sub-junior world records <laughs> and, and outlift me one day, so... She'll she'll talk like that to me sometimes, um, but I I think she's still figuring out what she wants to do too, and yeah. so she's still only a sophomore in high school, and um, I don't know that like the direction that she wants to go is as obvious to her at this age, and I just commend her for putting as as much effort as she does into it. So and if she ever yeah. breaks your records, you could be like, you just remember I'm the one who programmed, so it's kind of my way. Yeah. It's still me. You, you haven't got yeah. to You got to keep that. It'll be. No, if she beats my world record, we'll have a party for sure. It'll be, but she got to pay the bill. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, the, or the very next day, like that's it. You're, you're paying me for programming because it obviously works. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for I, sure. For sure. It would be straight out of a movie if. Because um, what weight class is she in? She's a 72. Oh, shit. <laughs> if this this is this is the movie right here okay chloe you okay. guys you guys meet at the u.s no 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 
no, no, not nationals. That's not the movie. That's not big enough. You guys, both, <laughs> you, it's not big enough. Listen to this. You guys both make the national team. You both go to the world championships, but only the winner goes to the U.S. Invitational for the big check. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god, Clay. It, it would get intense for sure. It's a Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. If this, well, if that comes around, we'll definitely have to talk again. We gotta we can, we, 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 together. We gotta talk. That's for sure. I might have to fly. <laughs> I'm gonna have to fly you up for a studio session for this one. <laughs> the story's too big. But um, but listen, we've had you on for about an hour and a half now. Holy smokes, the time flies. Um, first of all, thank you for coming on. I know we're really close to U.S. Nationals. It's not easy doing these podcasts, especially when, you know, you're getting close to a big competition like that. So muchly appreciated. For anyone listening, though, because you are doing coaching, um, is there a way they can get a hold of you uh, to, to possibly become, you know, take you on as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. They can uh, DM me on Instagram at kdublive, K-D-O-U-B-L-I-V-E, or Email me at chloe.dublin at gmail.com. Um, either one is totally fine. But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Really? I love doing stuff like this. So. 100%. We'll definitely have you back after. And um, who do you want to thank before we let you go as well? Um, I want to I thank uh, Tim Anderson and the Fire Midland University powerlifting team, SBD for all my equipment, SSP for... Um, all my supplements, um, my boyfriend, my family, everyone that's here to support me. I mean, the, the list is endless, so I really appreciate all the support. And one last question I always ask people whenever they first come on here. When all is said and done and your powerlifting career is over and you're a 65-year-old lady looking back, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> I just want to be remembered as the person that every single time put so much of my heart on the platform that it's scary. That's what I want every time. I think you hey, I think you achieved that. Before your next squat, kill them all. <laughs> you, you say that, that was scary. That shit was scary. She came to win. She came, this, girl, this girl came to win. Listen, thank you very much for coming on, Chloe. We're going to keep in touch. Good luck with training, and we would love to have you back. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you guys soon. Talk to you later. Bye. And then and yeah. on the flip side of that, kill them all and be like, bail the weight. Bail the weight. Bail the weight. What? Well, no, because you know when, squat, when the squatters have this horrible situation where someone bail and like, you know, like break a leg or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be kind of scary too. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh no, no. It's if you like load it up, um, she puts on like 400 kilo for a 32. <laughs> That will leave an impression. And she's like, stay tight, fellas. Stay tight. <laughs> stay tight to me now. You're going you're gonna to want to be close for this one. But, um, yeah, it is a, it's crazy how it, it shows you where we are now with the sport. Previously, you would never have a teenager signed up for powerlifting, period. Let alone previously, I remember showing up and there was like three girls in the competition at best. Now you have teenage girls in high school being like, you know, this is my gym class. Like, that's crazy for me yeah, to hear. Amazing this is what I did for, I did powerlifting essentially for gym. Mm -hmm. What did you do for, how did you get tested? What was your grades? 
based off of attempt selection. That's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, attempt selection and, and that relative to my PR. and like, That's crazy. This is a high school. Yeah, exactly. You know? And having an individual who just turned 20 and already had been to like three or four world championships, been around the world competing. And she's a veteran. And she's not, she, she was a teenager last time I seen her in Sweden. Like, that's nuts to think about, too. Whereas previously, yeah, man, you wouldn't find powerlifting until you're later in life because mm-hmm. nobody you knew powerlifted. Exactly. It just wasn't a sport you did when you were a kid. Um, so it's, it's, that's when people ask, how is the sport progressing so quickly? It's because, I mean, you have situations like the Chloe W situation where, you know, we're, we're catching them young. I mean, she's like a freak athlete, man, in terms of like how, her fast, how, her agility and everything she's capable of physically speaking. Exactly, from track to dance from to track powerlifting. To dance. I shit you not, I got to throw a picture when I put this poster up. It's got to be that pic doing splits with her feet on the ground flat. You see it. I showed it. It's like, how is this even possible, man? You can't like, I, I know I'm harping on it, but I can't wrap my head around how it's physically possible. Then to be benching and squatting and you know everything she does, it's um it's a freak athlete that powerlifting would with mm-hmm. whatever type of she would excel in any sport she chose, <laughs> and we took it you yeah. know and then by the time she's so when we get somebody like that and we get them when they're still a sub junior teenager, by the time they're twenty they're already ten to fit what fifteen kilo off Kimberly Walford who most people would agree is the most decorated IPF champion of all time right and she's within 15 kilo and she hasn't competed yet not as a teenager all of her previous numbers are as a teenager and she's within striking distance of the greatest of all time that's scary man when you think about what is the next generation going to look like well frick man what if chloe dublin's like i'm, I'm riding this through i'm going to be 28 years old hitting this god knows man you know what I mean? Age-wise, like she's not even close to the pure athletic peak yet. My man, Kimberly Walford, forty, and still, I don't know if she's hitting. She's at PR territory. Mm-hmm. When she hits a PR, it's minor, but she's winning. Right. And she right. also only hits big meets, so it's one of those. She's gonna load the bar to win. She's not gonna load the bar for a PR. Right. It's the world's type deal. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like now, Kimberly Walford's staying power is phenomenal. Not many people got staying power like that, but mm-hmm. in terms of, like what's possible. Vilma Olsen from Sweden, she's also, I think, like, she was a teenager. Maybe she's 20 now as well. Okay. I mean, these girls are all neck and neck and, like, extremely strong. Ida Ron, who, who had won the 72 Halo Juniors, super strong. I mean, these girls are, like, right there um, in terms of, like, with the, with the girls in the open. Um, and then you have, a, like, a Lions, like, Anna Castellane, who just aren't going away either. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting, man. And uh, I do like what she said about... If you're gonna pick between the juniors and the worlds, she's like, she put that perfectly. Well, it's true. Where <laughs> I can't take it for granted. Like, I, okay, if I look back and I say that was probably the year I would have won juniors if I took it, mm-hmm. came close so many times. That year I would have won. Instead, I went to the open, and let's say I didn't win or didn't even medal in the open because. Anna Castellane just broke the open world record. The biggest total we've ever seen in the 72 kilo open ever. Mm-hmm. She didn't get a medal in Sweden. So easily you can go there and you're, you could be the best in the world. It's so close. If you have a 99% day and the other girls have a 99.5, 
you don't make the podium because that's how fucking close it is. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking back, she'll probably be telling herself, look it, yes, I went to the open. Even if I don't medal, that is never for granted. I can never take for granted I competed with like the best of all time. I was in the big show and I took a stab at it because the following year and the year after that and the year after that, when you're 20, you'll have so many more to come. You don't know that. It's true. What she yeah, said is like, young, you don't know who's so coming many opportunities. But, it just but, depends on how you want to build your resume. Like, but, do you want to have the sub-junior, the junior, the open, or you just what, don't care? But what she was saying, I like it. She's like, I get it, I'm young, I got so many more, but I have to get through with the U.S. Nationals. We don't know. Yeah. Next year, if a beast comes out of nowhere, like Amanda Lawrence, mm-hmm. look, at when, when we were in Belarus and Daniela Mello won, I was like, nobody's, this girl's a teenager, and she's so far ahead of anybody else that we've ever seen. She's going to reign on top forever. Next year, Amanda Lawrence comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing of this sport. So, so that's, I think that's what she was saying was, hey, look, if I got an opportunity to compete in the Open, I'm going just because I get it, I'm 20, I should have a bunch more. What if somebody comes along that's like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to get past this girl as long as she's around. Especially kind of the States, one of the most competitive countries get out of That's the hardest national team to make. Yeah. If she was born in uh, Jamaica, <laughs> where the fuck did I get that from? But <laughs> she was pulled a random. I just pulled that out of nowhere. But if she's born in Jamaica, she would make the team until she's 75. I mean, making the track team would be a different story. But... <laughs> Make the yeah, that'd be, that'd be a whole other enchilada. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of like, it is true. You got to walk through this door. So if you tell yourself, I care more to be beside Kimberly Walford, to be beside these girls and take a, take a stab at the possibility of being the open champion because it might be my only stab. It's easy to say, well, you got the next year and you got the next year, you're only 20. You don't fucking know that. They're all variables. You don't know that. Eat the food that's on the plate right now. Don't get ahead of yourself and look ahead like it's going to be there. It might not be there. This might be my shot. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to act like this is my only ticket because God knows what's going to happen. Or she ends up going to school and it gets crazy and she can't do the next year, the next year. That's no. true. She was talking about, what was it, med school or? Med, med school ain't no joke. <laughs> so I hear. So I hear. Yeah. Uh, you're not taking powerlifting classes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I hear. So, uh, so I think I like her attitude yeah. where she's like, look, it, I made my decision in um, a junior world's, even if I won, doesn't mean as much to me as just taking a shot at the at 20 years old, she has her head on her shoulders. At 20 years old, you got to think like that. At 20, look, our sport is so competitive. At 20 years old, you got to think, yeah, I get on 20. I could have 15 more shots at the open, or I could have zero. This could be it. Mm-hmm. This could be it. And you almost got to think like that. Hey, look, Kimberly Walford is not lifting with the USAPL. What if she comes back? I don't know the situation. As much as you have to think like that, we know if this girl, like, I think she's going to multiple, multiple worlds if she wants to. <laughs> One would think. One would think. Look at me. That powerlifting has taught me you never get too far ahead of yourself. But, uh, fair enough, fair but yeah, she's a freak athlete. It's just crazy because there's so many freak athletes like Jessica Bittner. Mm. And like uh, all these girls are freaks now. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Jessica Bittner um, in the warm-up room backstage. Took a picture with her. And everybody was like, God damn, are you out-angled like a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that photo. Everybody remembers because everybody's the enemy. And I was like, God, these, these girls are freaks these days, man. Like, they're all next level, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, can't take nothing for granted. But, um, but anyways, listen, 
Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, as always, give us high ratings. Put this up in your Instagram, you know, stories, and give people like Chloe Dublin the the exposure they deserve. Um, because like these people are like killing themselves to make it to the world championships. We only grow as a sport if you do it when it comes to whether it's personal sponsorships for them or the bigger picture, the SPD Invitational. That shit doesn't happen if we don't all get together and care. You know, if we don't all get together and, and rally behind these kind of things. And it starts on the grassroots level with our, with our athletes and our stars. So do show the support and um, give us high ratings on all the platforms. Subscribe and post us up and I will repost. Until next time, Six Pack Lapidat. Cat Fitness. Peace. You want to stuff?